This is Josh Mills. Welcome to another episode of Acquired Tastings. I'm very happy to have you here. This week, I have my friend Dave on, and we don't quite talk about Irish beers while we do drink them. We were having such a great conversation before the show, we decided to go ahead and start the recording. So you're going to jump here in the middle to the conversation. I hope you enjoy. Cheers. Yeah, so this new so, coffee drink. So a new coffee drink is called a Cafe Bonbon. B-O-M-B-O-N. Okay. It's uh, some sort of Latin American, whatever. But it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's literally equal parts espresso and sweetened condensed milk. Oh, my. Oh, I've heard of that. Dude, it's, it's, I'm not sure what the difference is between that and the Cuban coffee. I know there's a difference. I don't know what exactly it is, but holy shit. It's awesome. It's yeah. absolutely awesome. And so I've been trying to figure out a way to get that in my life more, whether it was like at home and I figure out some sort of way to make good espresso, like legit, like the pressurized, the pocket. Right. That as opposed to, you know, the percolator I have um, or finding like a coffee shop that will basically make an adjusted Cuban. Um, haven't been able to do it. And then I was gifted this Nespresso Virtuo coffee maker. And, okay. and I was like, sweet. Okay, cool. I tried it for the first time this weekend. I got a pack of 10 pods. Now, are they the are they the espresso pods or they're mm-hmm. like coffee yeah, ones? Because I know the, the Virtuo will do both. It'll do both. Yeah, I made sure I did some research. I made sure to do the espresso ones, right? Because they have the little kind of barcode thing on the little pod. Yeah. That's all that's left. Two. Two. <laughs> In, in two, two days, days. you've had days. eight shots. Now, here's the here's the other question: Have you been pulling them as lungos, or have you been pulling them as just single shots? What are lungos? So lungo, lungo lungo means long. So you know how there's like the cup, and then there's the two cups, like the espresso cup, and then there's the two espresso cups, and then there's like oh, the coffee okay. cup and the two coffee cups. I did so not know that. Do, okay. Yeah. So if you do the two, the two cups, it pulls basically a double shot. So the versus only, a single. So, for this machine, all it does is there's only one button. There's no setting or anything. Oh, and what it does is it okay. reads. Yeah, look, I got you now. Yeah, on this little thing, it's got that little barcode on there. Right. It figures out what to pull, whether this is a normal coffee pod or whether this is an espresso pod. Uh, okay. Um, which is pretty genius, honestly. Uh, so I dropped it. Oh, well, Nespresso whatever. has Nespresso has some that are specifically Lungos. So I wonder uh-huh. in the virtual line if it'll pull them as a double shot. I don't know. All I do know is I am jittery as fuck. Dave has had eight shots of espresso in the last two days, but not just equal, not just espresso. I mean, and really, it's, With, not, it's noon can, today. It's noon today. It's so like okay, a day and a half. half. <laughs> but he's been making. Um, Cafe bonbons. Cafe bonbons, which is equal parts espresso and sweetened condensed milk. I like, mean, I do love sweetened condensed milk. I eat it by the spoon. Yeah, but <laughs> all that sugar and plus eight plus shots of espresso. Dave. It's worth it's worth pointing out that I have not been spacing this stuff out at all. <laughs> it's been it's it's been basically raiding the caffeine in the morning and then drinking. <sighs> Coors Light continuously 
Doesn't oh, probably like. Coors Light, man. What? We have it. We have a touch. Okay, oh. okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. A couple of <laughs> a couple of things here. One, we have a ton. Um, literally from Albie's birthday party uh, in Dang. October. It's a we long have, time ago. It, it is a long time ago, but it's stuff keeps. It's mostly water anyway. I'll grant you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and two. I like Coors Light. It gets a bad rap. I enjoy something really fancy, like, you know, what we're going to be drinking now. But honestly, light beers, Coors Light like that, it's great. And frankly, you agree with this, whether you, uh, whether you agree with that statement or not. Because Sapporo on the last, well, not the last podcast, I guess. The last, the last beer podcast we did. Three podcasts. Yeah, the last beer podcast. Sapporo is essentially a light beer. Now, does it have more flavor, more body, more complexity? Yes. Yes. But it's not like it's a stout or anything like that. It is no. It is a perfect beer for ramen. I was going absolutely insane when you guys had that podcast. <laughs> because that is my go-to at you're laughing because I'm just, just rattling. I'm also off. laughing because I get to translate all this to Jordan here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sapporo Sapporo is one of the perfect beers in the world because it will pair with big statement anything literally anything. Uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with that one. Tell me, tell me something that it won't pair with. It won't pair with steak yes, or it ribs. Will. It will yes, overpower. It will, it will yeah, overpower yeah, it and be like drinking water. No, 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 no. If you like put them both in your mouth at the same time, hashtag probably you know, explicit. <laughs> explicit mark on the podcast um no because the beauty of stuff like Sapporo like Coors Light it doesn't serve a it purpose doesn't, it doesn't serve no it does it doesn't serve the purpose of um pairing being a drinking experience by itself it is perfect for being paired with something because if, especially when it's cold it hits your palate it leaves a little bit of like beer taste and then it goes away and it refreshes you for the next bite of whatever you're doing. Steak, yes. Ribs, yes. Ramen, yes. Dumplings, PB and J, yes. That's why it's so wonderful. Sapporo does that the best out of all of them, but Coors Light is in that same family. So it's Bud Light, so it's Miller Light. Uh. That's why those, that's why those brands, those beers are so popular. It's no, cheap to manufacture. Not, it's it's cheap not to manufacture. And what? That's not why they're popular. They're not popular because they cleanse your palate for whatever you're going to eat. They are popular because they're cheap. They're low alcohol, and, and they pair with you can anything. Drink, no, you can drink thirty of them in a in a, in an hour, and you're barely also, hammered. All of those so, things can be true. No, but that I don't agree with. That's why they're popular. I agree that maybe why some people enjoy them. Because they don't leave anything on your palate and they don't really taste like much and you still get a buzz off of it. But I don't think the standard Bud Light drinker and or the majority of Bud Light drinkers or Coors Light drinkers or those sorts of people are really thinking about pairing whatever they're eating with whatever they're drinking. They're drinking. And that's, and that's the beauty of it because they don't have to. Right. But I don't think, but my point is, is I don't think that's why they're popular. They're popular well, because they're cheap. They're, they're popular because, because they're cheap and because of marketing. That's why. And they don't, they're not offensive. 
they don't make yeah. they don't make you think anything about them. They're just there to get you quality, drunk. Quality, well, not that. And so uh, if, you get, if you want to get drunk, you do what I'm about to do again because this is I because I'm very jittery and very nervous. This is a <laughs> uh, a shot of apple pie moonshine. So cilantro. Well, here's the thing: a lot of those people who are going to be what what is most people who take shots, what do they shoot it with? What do they follow it with? Bad decisions. A Bud Light, of course, <laughs> a Miller Light. So same, same thing. Same thing is they kind of they kind of just follow back onto something lighter that they can, you know, so soci- me- be socially acceptable and and go on. Now, so for those of you who are finally joining us on, on oh, the Jesus. podcast, is this all going to go in? This might all have to go in because this <sighs> is a this is a fun conversation no. that we're having. But I want to welcome everyone to the podcast. We have been warming Dave's voice up with a great discussion about why he's wrong, why Bud Light, is, <laughs> why Bud Light and Coors Light and Miller Light are popular. But we've got him on the show this week for coming in because dad's off gallivanting again and we're doing Irish beers that are not Guinness. So Dave and I haven't had a drink of our beers yet. Dave has done a shot of apple pie moonshine. Two first, actually. So, <laughs> two of them and about 45 gallons of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and kind of get the, get the podcast rolling because I'm thirsty and I want to drink my beer. Yeah, let's do it. For everybody who's joining us, we're doing the podcast a little differently this week. We are kind of following more along the lines of our friends over at the Beer Avengers since Dave is actually out in Nashville, Tennessee, where he lives. And I'm here from an undisclosed location in Little Rock, Arkansas. (laughs) And so we're doing this kind of like that. So we're going to be kind of cracking our beers. We both have a food to go with our beers. Uh, We're going to talk about our beers a little bit. But as you can tell from the first, you know, what, 15 minutes so far, about 10 first 10 minutes or so, we're just going to kind of chat and we're going to kind of go over things. Dave's a longtime listener. He's been on the show a couple of times. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a good time. So, Dave, what is your beer this week? And what are you having to eat with it? My beer is a Wexford Irish cream, Irish style cream ale. Um, oh. I was fortunate yet to get the Nitro Draft can, which I'll be pouring into one of my favorite pint glasses from Flat Branch Brewery. Well, go ahead and, and crack it open, and uh, let's let's hear let's hear the crack, and then go ahead and get it poured up. Ooh, there's that nitro hiss. Yeah, I'm that excited lovely, about this. Lovely this is actually the first time I've had something like this, as far as this beer in a long, long time. It reminds me a lot of Boddington's, to be honest. Oh yeah, I was about to say because you know you and I used to drink Boddington's a good bit when we were when we were living together. We yeah. love when they when people didn't really know and they would like have like the busted up six packs in the like make your own six pack and we would you know grab. Five, uh, four of them plus two, plus two more beers for cheaper than the four pack. <laughs> oh man, getting that beauty shot. So Dave, what are you going to be eating along with your beer? I got a shepherd's pie uh, just from Publix. Um, nothing fancy. It's meat, corn, potatoes, mashed potatoes. Is it um, beef or lamb? Did it say? It's beef. It's beef. Okay. The cattleman's <laughs> pie. We don't have that kind of quality in the freezer aisle. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I think I've actually seen a lamb. Oh yeah, shepherd's pie in the freezer. I can't remember where it was, but oh nice. It's like oh, hey, this, look. this is definitely beef. You know, as this is kind of coming out, 
if I'm not mistaken, closer to St. Patrick's Day. I, oh, it's uh, coming out on on St. Patrick's Day. Maybe on St. Patty's Day. If I can get my act together, it may be a day a day before, <laughs> but probably not. Yes. Well, I figured when you asked me to do Irish beers, I was like, okay, I, it's March. I know where this is going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, down a shepherd's pie. I'm wearing some green. Yeah. Nice. So I'm going to be doing the O'Hara's Irish Stout, which is a oh, big old nitro really can. Nice. And then I'm going to be drinking out of one of my favorite pint glasses, the Monopod from Fremont Brewing. So shout out to Marie. Oh, yeah. from her former favorite brewery and let's uh let's get this going oh that sounds nice get that good old pour it hard and then let it sit so while we're letting our uh our beers fall a little bit or you know Dave's is done i'm gonna let mine fall let's go back to this conversation that we were having <laughs> so going back right. let me i'm just gonna say i'm just i'm making sure i'm hearing you correctly you think that Sapporo and light American lagers like Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, you think that those styles of beer are the best beers to pair with food, period? Let me clarify a little bit. I think Sapporo is the perfect beer to pair with anything. And light beers, American style lagers, um, like... But like Miller Lite, my favorite Coors Light, are vastly underrated as pairing beers. And my reasoning is that you and your dad have talked a lot about types of pairing. And it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's two main types of pairing philosophies, I guess. One is the pairing that kind of cleanses your palate and each bite of food tastes new. It's that first bite of pizza. It's that first sip of the ramen broth. It's the first chunk of, you know, really nice Parmesan cheese. Every, every bit is new. You take a bite, you take a drink, you take another bite. And then the second is a pairing where both of the items, the drink and the food, are enhanced by the other. Does that sound right so far? Those are two of the types, yes. Okay, fair enough. My my personal preference is for the first. I okay. like having food that tastes brand new every single time. It's that, that first magical bite. And anything I can drink with that, if I'm trying to pair, I'm focused on the food. So frankly, the food's a little bit harder to come by. If I can find something that will enhance that food in any way i'm gonna go for that nine well, times okay time. so enhance that's a that's a very broad word to use because when you enhance something it you i mean it means it's to get better right mm, so i would so, say experience gets better and i think that's where you and i maybe diverge a little bit well and i i agree that there are times there are certain foods that I want to, I, that are heavy on the palate, that sit there, that linger sometimes mm -hmm. too long, that can, the experience of the eating and the drinking can be enhanced by having something which will refresh your palate. You know, it's the whole sorbet theory when it comes mm -hmm. to food progressions and like, you know, big, big meals. 
Oh, and by the way, I'm eating a beer cheese and leek soup, which is my my pairing, which I'm super excited about because it tastes delicious. So another thing, have, another thing, vastly underrated leeks. Yes, very much so. Especially if you don't care for like super powerful oniony flavor, oh use a leek. Switch it out for a take, leek anytime. If you're making broth and it calls for celery, take out celery, substitute leeks, and thank me later. Yeah, I've never actually done that. I usually just leave the celery out. Oh, dude. You got you to gotta try it. I usually have enough onion, though. <laughs> that, <laughs> that kind of takes care of that. Um, but so that's, you know, there are certain things that really are the long-term enhancement of it is gained by having something which refreshes your palate. Now, that is to say that something that pairs well with what you're eating flavor wise will not do that you know you can't you can't really say that if if something goes well together in your mouth then it's never going to clear out your palate for the next bite because there are experiences like goat cheese and sauvignon blanc that they go so well together but they also because of being high acid and being just really bright and fresh they will naturally clear your palate as you're eating it but also they're both enhanced by eating with one with the other. So I think it's a, it's a, you know, all this we're talking about, is so subjective anyway, because my palate is completely different than Dave's palate, which is completely different than Jordan's palate, which is completely different than his Dave's son's palate. So it's, (laughs) it's extremely, it's extremely subjective. So it's hard to say what is like the best thing ever or like what style of pairing is best because it really does depend on what you're what you're going for. You explained how you really enjoy that fresh first bite of food, that new experience of the food. So that's why you're go- that's why you're going to lean towards something which is going to pair in a way that will refresh your palate for something new. I pref- I really enjoy those aha moments when you get two things that you don't think are going to go together and then you taste them together and you have something completely new and you're like, holy fuck, how did that just happen? Yeah. Because like, and for me, that's what I really love. Do I find it all the time? No. Do I go after it all the time? No. Because sometimes I do want, this is why I like drinking. Some, crawfish boil. Because it, yeah. because it, it lessens it lessens the heat in your mouth. It yep. bring it it brings it down. Does great. But I also really like this is why I like some white wines with barbecue because yes. they give you that experience to retaste yes. the barbecue or, or something that can really linger on your palate for too long. But there are some there are also some elements that enhance the food itself, like the sweetness and the heat going together or that like acidity plus, you know, some of that smokiness kind of go well together. So I, I wonder if there are levels to this, because one thing is just a mere mortal. One thing I have trouble with, and frankly, I'm too scared to experiment with, is um, going back to the the two concepts, is the the notion of the drink and the food complementing each other and raising each other. That is much, much harder uh, to kind of nail down, which your podcast does a great job at, I will fully admit, but it's pretty intimidating, honestly for someone like me so what about it is intimidating because it doesn't make a lot of sense um at least to me and i don't know maybe 
I was going to say maybe you have smarter listeners out out there. I guarantee you have smarter <laughs> listeners out there. But when you talk about what was it, goat cheese and Chardonnay? Uh, it's goat cheese and Sauvignon Blanc. Goat cheese and Sauvignon Blanc. I knew it was a white. I understand that you saying that makes sense. What I don't understand is why. And barring like just going into Kroger or Publix or wherever and literally picking out those exact things, mm-hmm. like I can do that and sure it makes sense. That doesn't gain me anything. I don't understand why it works. So what it comes down to is it's basically like you know, something you like I just I've learned it over the years of working in wine industry, being near food and just honestly just trying stuff. But there are there are complementary flavors and there are contrasting flavors. So you're you're a graphic designer. So think about it in color theory in color theory terms. You have red and green, which go together. Like they are complementary colors. They well, I mean, okay, so they're complementary colors technically in color theory, correct? Yes. Okay, so okay. we're we're gonna talk in base in basics here. <laughs> so, okay. okay, so that would be like sweet and heat. Okay, they're kind of you. They're kind of across your. They're kind of across the brain from not brain for each other. They're kind of across the spectrum from each other, but they, wor- yeah. but they, they work well together and they come in some kind of harmony. You know, I love this can, analogy. There can be discord because, you know, something's too spicy or not sweet enough. And that's you know, like looking into the different hues of, of things. But then you have the theory of, I think it's the mono, uh, monochromatic where you have the tertiary colors that surround the primary color, right? So monochromatic or that's is called. Monochromatic is actually this the same color. Tertiary is um, the complement based on thirds of the color wheel. Okay, so what's the so, theory that like you have your primary color and then your two your two levels that are next to it that that go together? Your triad comes from like right there next to each other. I mean, that triad would basically be it, but it depends. <laughs> I don't know if you want okay. to go down this path. <laughs> okay, so we'll go, we'll go with monochromatic. Okay, so we'll th- we'll talk about the idea of a monochromatic, where you have if all the you have all the same flavor, you have all the same colors. Okay, you've got oranges and orange and orange and orange and orange. Okay, that is what we call we call it a like like pairing. So this is the theory of the Savion Blanc and the goat cheese. They're both high in acid. Acid drives through their flavors, and the acids match together to make something that is really good you know that's that's the like short answer to a very very long question is the way you become less intimidated by it is starting to look at some of those what goes well together you know what is it that's working here and then how can i try that by myself on my own whether you know if i'm going out to a restaurant and those sorts of things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is the part where all your listeners kind of turn off because they're like, I don't give a shit about color theory. <laughs> you don't, you don't know. We've got, I'm sure we've got artists and designers out there. In <laughs> land. Well, if, if you do, I, I hear you. I see you, my people. The term you're looking for is analogous. Colors. Is. And yes, that is a way to do relationships as far as color theory. To go back to 
your previous analogy of red and green, I guess, complementary. Yes, technically, that is a color theory that can complement, obviously. The problem is with especially red and green, and I'm glad you touched on this, red and green can be extremely difficult to get into the same piece and work well. The issue is saturation and vibrance. So if you have your red and your green as the same saturation or the same vibrance, it's actually incredibly displeasing to the eye. Setting aside that red-green colorblindness is the most... It's the most prevalent colorblindness that's out there. Exactly. But if you're not careful with that, you can mess it up. You need to have one that's either desaturated or at a slightly different hue than the other in order to establish that dominance. One has to be dominant and one has to be submissive, to be honest. It needs to be like an accent color in order for a piece to work really, really well. Right. To bring it all back home, I think that's the same with your pairings. You can have opposites like that, but one needs to... Carry the weight. Carry the weight and basically carry the other and provide as kind of an accent to to, to support that Mm -hmm. other thing. So if it's... A, and this is where you're going to probably roll your eyes because I'm talking out of my depth now. I know color theory. I don't know. Hey man, I just talked pairing. about color theory for about five minutes. <laughs> I talked way out of my depth. All right. Well, here, I'll, I'll talk out of my ass for you as well. I would think something like a steak and what's a, what's a obnoxiously big wine? Anop- like, obnoxiously big? Yeah. So like. Overripe California Zins. Okay. You know, yes. 15, 16% alcohol. A Zin bomb. Perfect. Yeah. You pair a Zin with a steak. It's it's overload. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. But a Merlot is big, still the same color, but it has a softer kind of, ed- at least to me, yeah. it has a softer kind of edge to it. And it's, it's a little bit more, um, it's like a pillow, right? That Can be, kind yeah. of kind of complements the the steak it mm-hmm. takes a, a back seat to it that's that's kind of the theory and that relationship between food like steak and wine is something that's been written about for centuries decades, maybe <laughs> i was gonna say hundreds of years but i wasn't it's, exactly it's probably sure. been decades that it's it's been out there right so that's a pretty obvious one but stuff like like goat cheese and Sauvignon Blanc, that's a little more niche that hasn't been, or niche, I should say, that hasn't necessarily been written about. It's not as common knowledge as perhaps it is for you. Um, It's a little bit harder to wrap your head around for people like me. And so in that stead, where I like to default to is, okay, I, I spent, you know, I, I splurged and I got some really, really nice Parmesan cheese. I don't know anything about wine, but I know from the podcast that if I get a bottle of bubbly, then it will help with that. So I'm going to go ahead and get a bottle of bubbly and I'm going to have that kind of pairing as 
something that will enhance the cheese. And, you know, if the champagne doesn't necessarily, you know, get anything from the cheese, you know, in reverse, then okay. You know, that's the relationship that I tend to go for. That's what I do. (laughs) I talk your ear off all the time about (laughs) ramen and my favorite meal in the world. Like on death row, they give you the last meal. My, My death row meal would be uh, the New Wave Bowl from Otaku Ramen here in Nashville and a freaking 16-ounce ice-cold mug of Sapporo, you know? And it's because it's not necessarily because Sapporo is the best quote-unquote beer. It's because it makes that bowl of ramen amazing. Bite after bite after bite after bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't, allow, it doesn't allow your palate to fatigue on it. And yeah. so going, oh, going yes. to... Yeah. And going to what you're talking about when you're talking about the complementary colors and the tension that's required between the colors to actually make that complementary. You know, it's the same when we're when we're talking in those contrasting in the contrasting pairings, because if you have, you know, you talked about steak and red wine, you know, as one of like the classic pairings that, you know, people talk about all the time. But the tension that's required there is the tension of drying versus wetting. So different steak, different steak pairs better with different wines. If you have a filet, doesn't have a whole lot of fat to it. It's got a great big beefy flavor. Doesn't have a whole lot of fat. Will kind of stay moist as a, as a piece of meat, but you want something that's going to either enhance that beefiness or bring some more of that salivation, something a little bit lighter and sweeter. So you don't want something super dry, which is sometimes when people get really big Cabernets and they're like, Oh, well, I mean, this is good, but it's just really drying. Okay. But flip it over to where you've got a ribeye and you've got a lot of fat in it. You've got all that lovely fat and marbling, or even like a Wagyu steak. You've got all that fat, all that marbling, and all that extra flavor. You need something to dry it, so you need more tannins. You need something that's got a lot of tannins into it. So that's why like a Barolo or a Barbaresco that's really high tannins is going to complement better because you're bringing that tension of this drying versus this wetting back and forth where it kind of comes together now with your ramen now is that ramen spicy typically no okay um i like a lot more savory umami like just just Ah, hit me in the face with okay so the reason sapporo works really well is sapporo has the opposite of umami it doesn't have umami to it because it dries it out well it just doesn't it just doesn't have that earthy that earthy big carry over oh. undertone it has a little bit more of a sweet side okay. has a little bit more of a, a sweeter feel so the umami and the and the um and that sweetness and the lightness kind of cancel each other out so then that's why you're able to come back to it and go back to it that's that clearing out theory is whatever's in your whatever is canceling that flavor or that feeling out of your mouth so that you can go back and have it again gotcha okay that makes so a lot now, of sense. Now that we've wandered down the rabbit hole of color theory and taste <laughs> and pairing theory, which I know Dave has been dying to have this conversation with me, and I'm glad we could get it on the microphone because I I do agree with you that it is it can be daunting if you're just coming s- straight into it 
in without much knowledge or a place to hang the idea of what works and how it works. So I really hope that helps some of you with that. You know, I've also talked about pairings when it comes to musical notes. You want to make sure you hit the different notes in the chord and this brings the bottom note. And now that we've talked about this for, you know, a good a good chunk of time, Dave, why don't you tell me a little bit about your beer and how's it going with your food? Uh, it is going great with the food, although I would have done something a little bit different. This beer is very sweet to me. Okay. I wish you could taste it. Um, me too. <laughs> I don't know. I've got my folks coming down uh, next week, so maybe I'll try to send some home with them. Ooh, that'd be nice. Yeah. It tastes an awful lot like Boddington's. Yeah. I wish that the food that I had paired with it Uh was either more salty or more spicy because it is, it's not doing that, that cleaning that we've just been talking about, Mm -hmm. but the beer itself is incredibly good. I'm looking forward to drinking a couple more of these (laughs) after. Um, actually for, as you know, a little bit of inside baseball, after we get off of this podcast, my, my wife and my kid are going to get home from a uh, trip over the weekend. And actually there will probably be no beer drinking. It will be (laughs) (laughs) wrangling the kid and, and cleaning up and, and all this stuff from, you know, the weekend of single bachelor debauchery i've had yeah. dave has a two two and a half year old now yeah yeah is he two, two and, and a half, half now full-on toddler mode oh my god yeah full full on toddler game is happening over there for dave yeah and- he's, he's got his own attitude now he uh he absolutely will be sweet and cuddly one minute and then just you know hey i'll be are you hungry? Would you like a banana? And he'll just go, no. No. Cookie. No and you're like, no. <laughs> you can't dude, have you a can't, cookie. You can't have a cookie. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Cookie. Pocky. And like, no, dude, you can't. I, I can give you a banana. I can give you crackers. He's like, no. Pocky. And you're like, oh, man. So, and for, for those of you who are listening, um, if you're unfamiliar with Pocky, it's a little Japanese kind of frosted cookie stick um, mm. that are extremely good. Yeah. Um, and also not good at all for you. And cannot, cannot be eaten of, by a toddler at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, they're good treats. Like if, if you know, he's eating all his dinner and, and green beans or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, there, there's no health advantage to it at all. Um, and we made the mistake of introducing them to him early. Oh, yeah. yeah. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So, well, so my O'Hara is, is going down really well. I'm about halfway down because Dave's been talking a lot. Yeah, I, I do that. What are you tasting in it? Tell me what you're so tasting in it. So it's, it it's really big and rich. It's, an, it's a stout. It's not as the bitterness that you get with kind of Guinness. It's really smooth. It's chocolatey. The bitterness kind of reminds me more of like a dark chocolate bitter. 
or a coffee kind of bitter that kind of bitter you taste but it's still it's still got those nice refreshing kind of feeling where it's more like you get all those lovely roasty flavors of like Mm -hmm. roasted caramel and cut those kind of things it's not really overly sweet you do get a really lovely light mouthfeel because it is on nitro and it goes really well with the soup the soup is like big and earthy and cheesy and and this beer kind of gives it a little bit of that bit extra bitteriness but it gives it more that compliments on the kind of the roasty flavors and the onion just kind of cuts through and plays well with with everything that's going on um because of the nitro and how the palate feels it does lightly kind of cleanse off the palate but i can still feel and kind of taste the cheese and the soup and the onions and a little bit of that roastiness from the beer as i'm as i'm continuing to not eat or drink it o'hara's is actually that's not their brewery is the carlo brewery and it was actually from looking at an establishment the brewery itself didn't actually come up until 96 but it's been in a town that has you know has had a bunch of breweries and they also in the town where this from they just kind of wear a lot of they brew a lot of stouts and porters you know so they're getting some of those bigger styles of beer uh, not really like the cream ale like you were talking about yeah so it's pretty cool let me ask you and this goes back to kind of the pairings there's a there's a book out there a cookbook um by samin nostrat um i'm sure you've probably heard of it called salt at acid heat yep that the the general um concept is that the best dishes have a balance of those four things and i'm wondering if in the same way pairings can fit into that relationship where the relation the the pairing that you're experiencing right now fills a gap that is left by the soup and if i can kind of break it down that soup is probably salty savory it is um it's fatty maybe yeah it's 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 a lot of fat and salt and what i would wager is that the beer that you're drinking provides bitter and sweet. And because of that, you get kind of a holistic taste, I guess. Whatever gaps are in the soup are being filled by the tasting notes in the beer. Do you think I've got that right? I mean, that's exactly that's exactly the theory behind the contrasting pairing is that you, whatever your pairing brings what is lacking to complement what is there. That's the whole rub of it. And that's the whole idea of you don't have to know exactly what pairs with what if you understand some of those theories behind it. Because there have been times on this show or even when I've been tableside and, and have suggested something as a pairing I may not have had the pairing before, but the theory behind the pairing makes sense. Like I don't eat a whole lot of fish or seafood, but I understand the flavors that are coming from those foods. So I understand, so I can better pair those for people or give suggestions of what works and how it works and why it works and 
And so you don't have to know it all. If you kind of start to understand these little bits of, of concepts or theories, for lack of a better term, that we've been talking about. And that's what makes it makes it to where you can expand your horizons and feel confident about about it as well. So one of the reasons that the generally held belief of white wine being paired with fish, and I understand you guys have been very vocal on the podcast about, you know, white wine doesn't always go with fish. Red wine can go with fish too. And then, of course, ultimately, above everything, eat and drink what you like. Yep. Um, but seafood typically is some balance of um, salinity and sweetness, um, mm-hmm. depending on what you're doing. There's not a lot of acidity in it. Naturally, yes. Naturally, yes. Um, now, if you have some sort of, you know, lemon, basil, butter, cod, or whatever, obviously that's, but that's different. Right. Um, white wine typically brings acidity. It, yep. Typically, it fills that gap. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the generally held belief is is that white wine typically goes with seafood. And it's so, also a delicate it's also a delicate flavor. Foods from the sea are usually a little bit lighter and well not lighter, but the 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 flavors are softer and usually not as big and pronounced as foods from the land, from proteins from the land. That's another reason that it's it's held that way is because white wines are usually more delicate in flavor, so they're not going to just jump on top and mash out all the Overcome. all the flavors that the chef has created from from the sea. Makes sense. I guess to bring this kind of home for the listeners and listeners being me, is the best thing to do as far as trying to create a dinner or a lunch or frankly a breakfast, whatever, where the pairing is correct is to really analyze what the notes are let's call it salt sweet bitter and acid acid figure out what you're cooking in that moment which of those four things your food contains and then choose your drink as an opposite or is that just me being too kind of um narrow in my thinking of just the contrasting pairing so that is a very analytical way to decide what you're doing. You can't. <laughs> well, no, no, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. I'm saying, no, I know, you're, I know. <laughs> but you're taking. You know, you're you're very you're very much looking at what you're cooking. What does it have, and then what am I going to add to it? You know, mm-hmm. that is definitely one way that you can do it. The other thing you can think about is, you know, what do I want this to do? What do I want to present? What flavors, what ideas, what concepts, I'm talking in a lot of words now, do I want my listener, my my person who's enjoying this meal with me to experience? Yeah. Yes. That, that, yes. that can help you decide how to go. Now, okay. if you are food first, if you are more comfortable at cooking than you are at choosing your beverages, yeah, you'd want to choose that way. But I've... I've created an entire meals based on the drinks that I'm having and then putting food on top, putting food with it. Gotcha. It can really go either way. Yeah. You, you did just the way you explained it. You kind of talked about contrasting pairings only and 
But if you, if you think about it and open and say, okay, what do I want? What do I want my guests to experience? And if it's hell, I just want to put a pairing together that I like personally, because I like to eat this and I like to drink this and I'm screw, screw theory, throw it out the window, serve it and see what happens. Because then you can have that conversation with, with your guests or whomever about why, why you're doing it this way. But if you want to go for more deliberate pairings, you know, the things we've just talked about. And then the other thing that comes into play is what grows together goes together. Okay. So I've, I've heard you mention this many, many times and that's, that sounds great, but help me as the, the lowest common denominator of your okay. listener audience, <laughs> help me understand what, what that does. Like, so that, that makes sense if you're doing like, a fancy roasted leg of lamb, but bring it way down for your American audience. So hot dog, give me a, give me something that goes with a hot dog. <laughs> um, a good cold beer goes really well with a hot dog. <laughs> now, <laughs> from okay. what I've what I've been told, I now, agree. If, but why? Okay, so we can't really go there because with that we're talking about kind of a big mass marketed product. But if you wanted to take it into certain sausages, I could definitely okay. go there. So okay. in the mid-south-ish of France, we have, we have the Rhone region. We have Beaujolais. Um, there are a lot of animal farmers that, that live in those areas along with the grape growers. Okay. A lot of the, so the, a lot of the culinary history of that area comes into taking that, putting into cases, and ha they have particular styles of sausage that they that come that are made in those areas. The winemakers make wine a lot of times to go with their local food, like the styles okay. and everything they're going after are going to go well with their food because that's what they eat. It's what they eat. Yeah. It's what they drink. They do those kind of things. So it's not a company thing or a marketing thing. It's no, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to get this stuff from my neighbor and I want to make mm -hmm. something that tastes good with dinner. Yeah. And so, you know, over the years, you know, there's a back and forth a lot of times between like certain winemakers and cheese makers and, you know, all those sorts of things where they kind of come out to be similar. But the other thing you got to think about is we're talking about Pete, we're talking about animals or natural products in the air that share the same sometimes sh that share the same land share the same soil types share the same air shares the same natural yeasts that are around so they're going to have flavors that are going to come together and be similar mm -hmm. just based on some of the just being around each other but it comes down to a lot of the culinary and gastronomical um, areas that are near wine regions because they're, they're going to match the food with what's growing right there. You know, that's why, that's why some of the things that work well together, work well together. So oysters and mussels and clams are, you know, obviously come from the sea, obviously wines that grow near the ocean have a natural salinity to them, mostly because of the air there's, there's, salt in the air it shows up in that fermentation process and in the rain that they get and those sorts of things so some of those flavors are just our natural byproduct so they're going to match and they're going to go well together that's so, like chianti you know i've talked about it in chianti 
you know, especially right. in Italian food, it's really prevalent because they make their wine to be drunk with dinner. So they're going to make sure that what they're making for. <laughs> I'm always drunk with dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or the food that's going to come out that mm-hmm. people are making are going to make sure that it's going to go well with what's coming out of the bottle that they're drinking. So to bring this back down to an experiential thing where, you know, the listeners are trying trying to make this live. Would it be something where the let's call it the the salinity that you were talking about with the the clams and the oysters and mm-hmm. the wine coming from the same region is the experience there something where they pick up a a, a very subtle note of something you know some sort of herbal maybe note mm-hmm. in the salinity in the wine and then all of a sudden they find it as well in the the oysters or the clams and it kind of connects them and that's the aha moment is that kind of the relationship that you're saying it, it can exists be if you can if you can mm-hmm. nail it down yeah i mean it's it's there it, it or it's just there's something you know whether okay. it's salinity whether it's salinity or the acid that's that's coming from the wine because it's a you know coastal regions are usually cooler so they're going to have a little bit more acid it's going to go well with the sweet meat coming out of the ocean those sorts okay. of things there's there's usually some sort of connection between the two that happens whether it's comparing or contrasting but there's some way that they're always going to go together like okay. we've talked a lot about goat cheese and savion blanc yeah it's really good but there was one time that I had a um, Sancerre, which is a um, Savion Blanc from France. And then I was able to find goat cheese that was made in the same region and was able to try those two together. And it was, there's just something extra. Like a, you can't, you, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was the best goat cheese and Savion Blanc pairing that I've ever had. And, and maybe I don't, that's where the magic I don't know is. what it was. It was just something. It's something about Batum that goes really well, you know, a good okay. Parmigiano, which comes from, you know, Parma and Prosciutto de Parma. That's coming from Parma. You right. get those things with a with an Italian wine that's from the same region. They're all going to have similar characteristics that are going through them. And there's just, there's just something magical about that connection when it's found. Now, it doesn't always happen. But it's a good it's it's a baseline theory because of, you know, when when we eat, we want to make sure a lot of times those people are making sure what they're making goes well with what they're drinking. That is really helpful to someone like me because, you know, as as someone who doesn't necessarily understand the the terroir relationship, at least I know that it is a a metric that I can kind of judge against mm-hmm. where I can go ahead and memorize, you know, champagne caviar or champagne parmesan or whatever. Right. But if I want to branch out of that, a good rule of thumb, call it, um, would be find the source of whatever you're buying mm-hmm. and then match it with you know, your food and your wine or your food and your liquor or your food and your beer. And you stand a 
better than average chance of it providing an experience that is really, really good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be exactly made from, from the region. It could be a recipe from the region that you're making yourself. Okay, and it yeah. can kind of go well because the, it's the it, it's the theory again. It's the concept of the flavors that you're looking for that are going to match with what's being produced in the, you know, in the wine or in the beer or even in the liquor. Gotcha. That makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah. Is so, I mean, a, is this supposed to be an Irish podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you know, we were supposed to, you know, we, we thought we were going to talk about Irish beer, but we ended up talking about pairing theory, which I know you've been clamoring to me about having this conversation. You're like, I, I want to, I, I want to know why. And I'm, I'm happy we're having it too. Yeah. And I think it, it bears, um, I know, I, I think you bears mentioned that I, <laughs> hopefully, uh, for my own self-esteem, I'm not the only one that frankly cannot make heads or tails of pairings. And that's why I, I tune into this podcast every week because I love figuring out why stuff works. I, mm-hmm. I, I love figuring it out in art and design. I love figuring it out with cars, uh, uh, Soccer, like literally all of my interests are based on the fact that it doesn't make any sense why it works or why the highest level works, but it does. And I want to figure out why. Um, That's it's why I love cocktails so much. Um, it, 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 it boggles my mind that a... For those playing along with the uh, the drinking game, it boggles my <laughs> mind that a Negroni works. Yeah. Why? Let, I, I want to figure it out and then start figuring out that once, once I understand that formula, start messing with it. Like what happens when you sub rum in for gin? Right. You know, you take down the, the sweet vermouth a little bit because rum is sweeter than gin and probably the bitter the same, um, maybe up it a little bit. It's it's all of that the mechanics the equation of trying to figure out what works and that's why frankly I'm peppering you with questions about pairings mm-hmm. because that is something still that I don't necessarily understand but it's obvious that there is an equation there is some logic there is some cause and effect there yeah. that I want to understand right and you know we haven't said it enough but. You don't have to find it every time. You can also just sit down and eat and drink. Like, you know, it's it's totally okay to just mindlessly eat and mindlessly drink. It doesn't have to be a pairing experience every time, every time you sit down. So don't stress about it. But if you do want to start doing it, you know, maybe take one meal a week or take, you know, a Saturday, you know, a Saturday night or when you and your significant other go out to dinner, ask them talk to them about it and then try something new, but don't be upset that if they say, Oh my gosh, this is one of the best pairings I've ever had. I think it's phenomenal. And then you taste it and you think it tastes like garbage because (laughs) please remember your palate is different than anybody else's palate because somebody could tell me, and they have told me that (laughs) Oak Chardonnay, Oak Chardonnay and popcorn and buttered popcorn is a match made in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, 
I'm not going to like it because I'm not, I don't care for a particular flavor that's going on there. And so it's okay to try something and then it's not, it doesn't work. I mean, there have been plenty of times that we've done that on the podcast. We try not to, we try hard not to, because we want to tell you what goes well, but every once in a while, one will sneak through and we're just like, Ooh, nope, that is, that does not work. And then we try and explain why we think it doesn't work. And it could just be straight up. I don't like that. Like anything with Uzo for me is probably not going to go great because I don't like (laughs) Uzo. (laughs) Like, like, let's just be frank. I don't enjoy that flavor. So it's, you could tell me that, you know, it's the best pairing in the world. And I'm going to be like, no, I don't think so. Because I don't like anise. You know, it's, it's those type of things. But I say all that to say, if you do want to get into it, like Dave, like we've talked about a lot, just start thinking about some of those little tidbits and those little things that we've been talking about with the, the thing you kind of want to have something that either enhances a particular flavor or something that brings something extra to the party. You can have something that clears your palate or that wakes your palate. You know, that's the whole bittering theory wakes your palate to, to taste more. There are things out there and I'm going to say it, talk to people, talk to me, reach out to me on, you know, on Instagram or whatever, talk to your local liquor store, people that you trust, see what they say ask, 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 talk, 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 because that's how I've learned. That's how I initially learned is I talked to people. I asked questions. I read stuff. I, I went and seeked out the knowledge that I was hoping to find. And then when I did, couldn't find stuff, I just tried stuff, you know, take the, take the leap of faith that if, if they don't taste good together, but you like them separately, put the drink to the side, eat the food, then drink a drink. Have yourself some dessert. Right. There are people out there that say that all food and wine pairing is BS. You know, there are people that That's are That's like, not true. And I, I agree. But there are people that say that because palates are different. And the ideas of there can only be one best pairing is not great. You know, you, you brought up a hot dog earlier and it made me laugh. Because there was something I saw once that somebody said a fantastic pairing was a Chicago, a Chicago hot dog. So it's got, you know, all the trimmings of a Chicago dog and a Nouveau Beaujolais, bright, bubbly, sweet, freshing, not bubbly, but, you know, bright, candied, fresh fruit kind of flavors. He's like, it's, it's, it's really good. And if you think about it, it brings the sweetness that's lacking in that style of hot dog, but, Mm -hmm. but it may not work for you. And that's okay. Jordan has graciously brought me something to drink. Oh, is this a blind from? I think it's a time we do a blind. So Dave, the way this is going to work is I'm going to describe it and you're going to try and help me figure it out. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. We're going to do this together and you're just going to have to listen. Okay. Okay. So this beer, Jordan was evil laughing in this in the background by the, oh by the way we are uh, so screwed so this beer is light in color mm-hmm. um it is pretty clear uh so it's not really yeah, it's it not really filtered. hazy yeah not really hazy there's a little bit of a little bit of head left on it tiny bit of head yeah um it, it tastes like a cider yeah no we don't have it's not a cider it smells wheaty kind of like there's a lot of wheat coming out of it and almost like some tropical almost some tropical notes too 
Okay. Can't really smell any like hoppiness. There is a little bit of lime, not lime, a little bit of kind of a lemony, a lemony smell, but it's okay. not like I expect from, you know, a massive amount of hops in a beer. Right. Is it, can you taste any fruits other than lemon in it? So when I taste it, you know, you still have a lot of that good weediness there. You still have a little bit of that lemony brightness, but there's some tropical fruits, almost like there's almost like banana, almost like not Dude, pineapple. It's not red stripe, is it? No, <laughs> I don't think it's red stripe. It may be a similar style to a red stripe, but I don't think it's red stripe. It doesn't have any really like kind of like skunkiness or funkiness to it. Would you would you say it's a? Um, and I, I I have no idea how this is going to go, so I'm just going to start peppering you with questions. Mm-hmm. Is it? What's the alcohol content? Let's start there. It seems kind of like it can, seems kind of normal. So I'm going to guess between you know five and a half and six and a half percent. Doesn't seem overly doesn't seem overly alcoholed. So okay, okay, so pretty normal. Um, terrible head on it, to be honest. Yeah, I know this is a, a an audio medium, but like, is it is the head even still there at this point? Like, no, I know it's, it's around gone. the edge, but it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Let's see. You said there's some tropical notes, some banana. Um, is it acidic at all? Um, tell me what you mean by acidic. Well, like something, and we've established that it's not a, a cider, um, but something like um, like an angry orchard. Aside from the the rampant apple, is really really acidic. Actually, when you, when you think about it, it it does not make my mouth just like flood with water. So it's okay. It, okay. I would say it's as acidic as most beers are okay it's not over it it's not really defined by that there is you know i talked about like the that fruit like the tropical fruit quality of it but it that's really kind of light it's really really driven by the wheat by the grain by the touch of like the touch of citrus that's on the high note and okay. it it's got a good weight in the mouth. It's not really thin. It's not really okay. lean. It's got a um, good bit of body body on the mouth. It's nothing like a nitro, obviously, because there's you know no head left. No head left. Is there is there any type of? I feel like we can cancel out famous last words, but I feel like we can cancel out the Coors Light, Bud Light, oh, yeah. uh, Miller Light. Yeah, like it's, it's got way too much body and color for that. Okay. Yeah. Well, the colors, yeah, color, the color was close. I think it was a little bit darker, but that could be, yeah. Do I have to put it by my face? Do we get to ask questions of Jordan? No. I mean, we can ask her, but she's gonna just we can ask say her, but she's no. She's just gonna laugh. <laughs> she's gonna laugh, and he goes, "Can we?" He goes, "Can we just? Can we ask Jordan questions?" I go, "I mean, we can ask her, but I doubt it, she'd answer." Ask her if it is American. Come on, man. We can, I can't ask her that. <laughs> He wanted me to ask you if it's American. I'm like, that cuts out too much of the world. But all right, fair enough. <laughs> let's let's ask her. You know what she did? Me. She goes, mm. oh, <laughs> she yeah, shrugged her shoulders. So I was like, yep, that's exactly Just what I total non-committal. <laughs> yeah, maybe it could be. Uh, it could not be. You're lucky I didn't give you the ice that's been in the fridge for oh, like God. over a year. Did you hear that? No. She said, be lucky I didn't give you the ice that's been in the fridge for over a year. Ooh. That's what we should have done. We should have shipped him an ice to taste. 
That would have been <laughs> that would have been a big move. <laughs> yeah, but you know um, Kevin would have done it. Wait, have so, you found all those by the way? I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. For those that are listening, uh Kevin <laughs> oh, went God. through he visited, he and his wife went through our house. I honestly can't even remember when it was. Wasn't it like two years like two years before Albie, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This was before so, Albie. It it would one it was when we had really first moved in. Maybe three or four um, years. Three or four years ago then. Yeah, like three, three years ago, I think. And because Kevin and I have a a war. enough ice war happening um that's been extending for a long time. He went through and hid a 12 pack. Of God, I forgot it was ice. a 12 pack. <laughs> oh, dude, it was brutal in all these different corners of my house. And as as a joke, it was amazing. As the victim, not so fun uh, because he would send me texts randomly. Well, I say randomly. To me, they were random. To him, they were very, very calculated. He would send me a text at like 10 o'clock on a Wednesday. Uh, 10 o'clock at night, I should say, on a Wednesday. And he'd say something like, Yo, have you read any good books lately? Like, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite author? Oh, I, I like Donald Miller. And he'd say, oh, do you have any Donald Miller books? And I'd say, oh, yeah, I've got a, a, a bunch of them, actually. They're, uh, you know, they're on the bookshelf. Which one's your favorite? I'm looking to, you know, maybe find some new authors. Well, you know, there's there's one called Through Painted Deserts that I really like. He's like, do you have it? Yeah, for sure. I've got a couple copies, actually. Ooh, are you sure? I don't remember seeing any. Dude, I promise I have some. I don't think you do. I, I, I will go show you. I will take a picture of the, the books that I have. Like, I, I still don't believe you. You need to show me a picture. And I would go into my guest room go to the bookshelf and pull off the two copies of Through Painted Deserts I had. And what would be behind there but a Smirnoff Ice? And this then, went on for what, six, eight months? No, it's, it's closer to probably a little over a year. Oh, um, it took you a year to find them? All? Oh, yeah, yeah. I found them. I found them <laughs> hidden in my Christmas tree, like my, my kind of fold-up Christmas tree that we keep in the garage. I found oh, them obviously man. in the bookshelf. And the rule, I mean, the rules, rules. If you get ice right then and there, you have to go <sighs> down on one knee and and chug it. And Warm I cannot. In. Ugh. Oh, it was it was Ugh. brutal. And frankly, <laughs> Kevin, if you're listening, He's I was probably in Little laughing. Rock not too long ago. The only reason why I did not totally load your house up with Smirnoff ice while you were away skiing is because I know you have an alarm system and I don't know your truck. I can get into your garage <laughs> just fine. That's not an issue, but I wasn't sure if you had your alarm system set. And so I didn't try. How many, how many can I hide before the cops show up? <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. And like, I, I'm, I'm not about getting arrested in the state I don't live in. Um, <laughs> But just just watch your back. I I'm good friends with your dad. I, I bet he can get me in at some point. Um, oh man. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. Back to our back to our beer. Back to the blinding. Um, um, so I think so. I've been I've been drinking a little bit. We can obvious. I can obviously say this is a style which is grain based. It's yeah, grain driven. Okay. It is not hoppy. 
I'd be willing to bet it. It's Irish. Mm, I don't. You don't think so? I don't think so. No. I, okay. I I think I think we can definitely take out the fact that it's like it's not a stout. It's not a it's obviously yeah. it's not a stout. It's not a porter. It's not a brown. It's on the lighter styles. So what we're looking at is I don't think so. I don't. Is I wouldn't skunky? say that it's lo- no, it's not skunky. Not skunky at all. Okay. It's not skunky. I'm thinking it's some sort of ale, you know. So at this point, we're looking at Hefeweizens, Belgian blondes, yeah. pale ales. Maybe I think it's too light for a pale ale. Uh, yeah, I don't like you would have you would have said something if it was yeah. a pale ale or an IPA. Let's see here. What else? Blonde ales. You know. Does it, and you have a, a better vocabulary for this stuff than I do. So I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you a question that maybe sounds not so great. Does it taste American or does it taste European? So I think it's, I think the style of beer is a European style. Um, so half of bison, Belgian blonde. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really seem refined enough to be made from a producer over there so i do think okay. it is american okay so i think i think we need to go ahead and land this plane what do you think okay. what are you thinking so we're kind of down to just blondales i think Belgian. it's an american lager uh i don't think it's no. a lager Mm-mm. oh because we, we yeah, yeah yeah it's not really weighty enough um so we're looking at like hefeweizens wheat sam adams. wheat it's not hoppy enough not hoppy enough. for sam okay. adams and it's not lemony enough to be like cold snap or some some of their one of their seasonal lighters. Well, let's just think about the style. So we're talking about Blondales, Belgian yeah. Belgian Blondes, Wits, Hefeweizens, those sorts of beers. We know it's not a Blue Moon. No, because it doesn't taste like orange. Yeah, man. Oh, like, it feels I'm, like there's some similarities. I, I'm almost leaning towards like a... I mean, I can't get down to the brewery, but almost like a... Um, a boulevard wheat or like a, a lost, like you said, like a lost 40 Belgian blonde. Which um, would be their day drinker. Day drinker, yeah. It's not heavy enough for like a bop, right? It's not. No. I mean, just looking at the color, it's not. It's right. not heavy enough. So what do you want to say? Do you want to say it's a wit, a wheat? You think it's just a wheat beer or some kind of Belgian, really light Belgian style or. I would say it's it's got to be either a, like a Belgian blonde or like a, a half a reason. Yeah. Just because it's, it seems like it's straddling that yeah that land between super light and super weedy. Yeah. And a, and a half, I mean, you can tell the viewers what a half a reason is. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm willing to bet it's, I'm willing to bet it's a half a reason. Okay. Yeah. I kind of agree with you. I think it's some kind of like filtered wheat, filtered yeah. wheat beer. It doesn't seem like it's got enough body, really a little bit light on the body and in the heifer to be like a Belgian blonde or something. I think we're kind of in agreement that it's a wheat beer or a hefeweizen. Yeah. Obviously, this is a, an American filtered style of it. Um, it's not cloudy enough to be like yeah, any type of the unfilters. All right. Well, Dave, uh, you'll you and everybody else will have to come back next week to find out <laughs> what beer this actually was. Man, this has been a great conversation. Not anywhere near where I thought the conversation would take us today, but <laughs> it has been a great talk and I really, really appreciate you being on. And I hope our listeners appreciate the conversation that we had, even though it really wasn't about Irish beer. I hope so too. I, I, I didn't know whether this would 
go towards crazy Irish drinking stories for St. Patrick's Day or, or if I'd just be able to ask questions. And, and selfishly, I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity to just get on here and, and pepper you with questions about stuff that I don't understand. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it helps at least someone else out there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it did because this was a really good conversation. I enjoyed having this one as well. For those of you out there in podcast land, we're really, really happy to have you along with us for this wonderful ride. Remember to give us a like, follow, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a rating and a shout out for what you like, what you're doing. By the way, I have been looking at Spotify. Um, for those of you who listen to this on Spotify, they have been kind of slow rolling the uh, the rating system out to everyone. I think at this point, it's all done. So if you listen to this on Spotify, go to the show page and click the star and right there. I know Apple oh, Podcasts, cool. everyone knows how to do it. Spotify has been slowly rolling this out. So if you listen on Spotify, go and rate it. I did. It took 30 seconds to do. I know I've checked in the past and it has not been available to me. I checked three days ago and I must have been one of the late user accounts that got the ability to rate. Oh, um, cool. I went in and rated it and all that stuff. If you've looked in the past trying to rate on Spotify and it hasn't been available, go check again. Trust me, just go check again. If you see it, rate it. Very cool. I look forward to seeing those rolling in. Remember, we're out there on the social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, including also now TikTok. Uh, slowly but surely, we are getting into the TikTok game. And then if you just want to send us an email, we are acquiredtastings at gmail.com. Next week, before we fully land the show, we're going to have another guest on. I'm going to have Seth on for a wine week. We're following the same like kind of Irish green idea, and we're doing green wine. And what that means is we are going to be highlighting natural wine. So we'll have a discussion about the natural wine movement, what that means in wine, and we'll be tasting and eating some good stuff. So I'm really excited about that conversation as well, because it's another idea or concept that's out there in wine that is nuanced and if you're not really kind of in the wine game you may have no idea what we're talking about so come on in we hope to demystify that a little bit for you next week so once again this is josh mills and we'll see you next time